The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Koto katoa no mai haere mai ki dietary requirements for Simon Day Takawingawa and I am your host today. Each month we get together to talk about the social, environmental, political uh, consequences of food in Aotearoa and we also talk to the buzziest people in the scene about what they are up to. I am joined today by Sophie Gilmore. Kia ora Sophie. Kia ora Simon. She's the owner of Fatima's and Hospitality Boss. <laughs> We have, just so I don't forget, Tina on production today. Shout out to mm. Tina. Yeah, Tina. And very exciting news. We have a brand new sponsor to introduce. For the next two months, we are going to be serving up dietary requirements in partnership with Visa Wellington on a Plate. Boop, boop. The festival runs in August. We are part of the festival, August 15. You can see us live at the Parrot Dog Brewery in Lyle Bay. We'll be talking about all the things that make hospitality in Wellington awesome, the way that COVID-19 has affected um, the industry and have some really amazing guests yet to be announced, uh, yet to be contacted, um, joining us <laughs> as well. Uh, Wellington on a Plate is just such an incredible food festival. I am a genuine huge fan. You could get me to say this without sponsoring my podcast, but seeing as they have, I will say it with extra vigour. Um, go to Wellington during August. The program is out right now and there are some incredible events. It's all about taking you on a global trip through food because you can't really go on one anyway. Nice. They do such a good job, don't they? I'm going to do an annual pilgrimage. I remember talking to Mimi, Sophie's sister, about it uh, when I was really lucky to go to an event where I was cooked for by Nancy Silverton. And she says, why can't we do this in Auckland? Why don't... Like, we we have food festivals, but it's just not the same, I think. Yeah, there's Global kind of ambition. Cozier. There's a real ambition to it. There's this kind of cozier, and it's also more viral. Hey, like, everybody knows about it. Everyone's talking about it. The restaurants are all booked out. Like, it's absolutely wild, like, when you're an operator down there for that period. And it was actually born out of the fact that August is the quiet month for restaurants, so they wanted to give everyone a bit of a boost, and now it's, like, equally as busy as Christmas. 
And speaking of the effects of COVID-19 on the hospitality industry, we've got a really special guest joining us in the studio today, Chan Sarawat. Thank you for, thank you for being with us because today the Restaurant Association, is that right? Mm-hmm. Launched a campaign called Reset. And this is about responding to the skills and labour shortage created by the pandemic and the border closure. Yeah. And can we call it an inability of the government to respond quickly enough to the needs of the hospitality industry to, to survive uh, yeah. in the face of that? I think it's just coming a little bit too late. Like last night they announced, or well this morning they announced, uh, Chris Farfoy announced that um, they would extend the working holiday visas of people who are still here a little bit too late when their visas are expiring next month. Mm. Uh, we lost about six or seven working holiday visa holders because they had no certainty, especially given this time. If you want to return back to Spain or Italy, you've got to book your ticket well in advance because it's not like the planes fly every day. Mm. So we've already lost these people. So your reputation precedes you for most people, but just in case listeners don't know, Chand runs uh, two now or still three? Still three three until September. Three um, of Auckland's most glorious restaurants, uh, Sidat, Three Lamps and Ponsonby, Cassia, uh, this incredible sort of collaboration of wonderful cooking, but Indian street food, bringing it together in the same space. And in the top of Mount Eden Road, or is it the end of Simon Street? Street. End of Simon Street. End of Simon Street, um, the French Cafe by Sid. Yeah. And what I found really interesting is that there is, you know, when I think of the role of people on working visas to New Zealand Mm. in the hospitality industry, I'm thinking of um, kitchen hands and people cooking at restaurants that don't look quite like yours. Mm. But I didn't realise how important it is to the entire industry across the the whole spectrum of the sector Mm. these skilled migrants are. Yeah, I mean, if you think about a country like France, right, where hospital is actually a career, unlike New Zealand where we see it like a in-between uni transition phase. Mm. Um, We have workers who come on working holiday visas from France. We have workers who come from Italy. And they fill the gaps when needed as well. So it's not just your kitchen hands. We even have senior waiters, sommeliers. Mm-hmm. We have chefs. Um, Everyone. Sid actually had a chef who came in about a month back who had a seasonal worker's visa, which means he was only allowed to pick fruit. And at the time when we called immigration, they said, you can't hire him as a chef, even though he's a qualified chef. So yeah. we had to turn him away. But... This morning we find out, well, we can hire him. Now we oh. have to try and find him. <laughs> right. Yeah, track him down. <laughs> track him down if he's not run back to the USA. Yeah. So we're not just thinking of, you know, the low-skilled jobs in hospital, but every skill, every level. Because Chan wrote a letter to the government for uh, the spinoff. You can find it on thespinoff.co.nz forward slash food. And it was the headline was, you're cutting off our lifeblood. And it's really interesting to think of the role of immigrants as that important mm. um, to the sector. Because you're, you, know, you arrived in, in New Zealand from, from India. From India, yeah. And, and was hospitality one of the first places you worked? Or? No, it was the first thing I dated <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> no, I'm a trained secondary school teacher. And I gave that up because actually I found that my husband would pay me better. And value my hours better. <laughs> so I got a little bit sick of every. I get a bit sick about everybody saying hospital is underpaid, because as a teacher, I've, 
it really aggravates me that I worked so many hours and I was on a salary and expect was expected to do that. Every kid after school yeah, programs, you're expected, you're supposed to give your lunch break up, extracurricular activities, marking, never ending. So I could never find the work-life balance. Even if you were sick as a teacher, you got to write a relief for the other teacher to do your work. That's my and husband today. <laughs> at least in hospital, you can call in sick. And yeah. You, we don't say someone else has teach someone else to make your coffee. Yeah. We need a few more positions, right? Open yeah. the borders, pay the teachers, pay the nurses. nurses. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's a really, really um, precarious moment that we're in at the moment. Mm. Absolutely everyone is. Um, the operators are getting really exhausted. It's mm. kind of like a hangover from COVID. We feel grateful, of course, in the global situation with where we're at. But now we're dealing with the tail end of um, a lot of young staff and their mental well-being is not that good. So it's really exhausting managing staff at the moment, particularly if they're not coping, which means that often they're not at work, which mm. means that you're constantly finding gaps And I think in it's burnout even for employers because last year you just kind of barely managed to get through it all. For me, I reached my birthday and I got sedated by the doctors. For mm. three days, I have no memory wow. of my 35th birthday because I was sedated. Mm. I what, had what part of the year was that? Um, December the 4th. Yeah, so. I just had enough by then. So I had to, which is why we decided it's time to sell it out. Because you can't do this. You can't light the fire at both ends and yeah. keep going. Yeah. And it's the same for, you know, everybody in the industry. So I think we need to think and weigh up the, yeah, fact that we need to balance this immigration issue but also what about mental health for the entire industry? So what do you think the solution looks like? I think what we need is the government to actually sit down with hospital mm. and talk to us because we have solutions that we're willing to put forth, but no one's asked us. There's a lot of solutions. Like one of the solutions um, I came up with is what's happened in Australia. They've increased the hours for student visa workers so that they can work up to 40 hours instead of 20. Mm. Um, and that would go a little ways to alleviate the problem. Same thing. I mean, it's great. Today was a great first step. Don't get me wrong with extending those working holiday visas, but it so could have come explain, a bit... explain what happened. What was the Minister, Minister Fafoy's announcement today exactly? So today they extended all existing working holiday visas until December by another six months. So anything that was expiring between July and December is now extended for another six months. Also, anybody who's on the seasonal worker visa which is only supposed to be for fruit picking, they've, ex they've now allowed them to go into any industry that they want, which is also amazing. So mm. it will go a little ways to fill a very large gap. But that relies on people being here already. Yeah. Uh, and being equipped to work in... In the jobs we need. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a partial solution. Yeah. I mean, like, look, we've lost... It's we've a drop lost, in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's a drop in the bucket... But we should appreciate whatever we get, so we will totally. be grateful. <laughs> There's like if you walk along um, Ponsonby Road, for example, as a high-touch food zone, um, every single cafe has got a sign up on the window saying we're recruiting workers. Or the other sign is we're now closed on Monday and Tuesdays yeah. because we can't get enough yeah. staff. Yeah. And I think that that's the other thing is um, the employer burnout thing. Like we're potentially expected to suck it up and take responsibility, which we do and we keep going. But there's actually 
not enough hours in the day to both be recruiting staff. So at the moment I'm trying to recruit staff and it probably takes two or three hours of the day to make contact with them. Then you invite them in for an interview. There's a lot of people that are not showing up for interviews. If the interview goes well, you might invite them for a trial. A lot of them then don't show up for the trial. But the weirdest one is sometimes people trial and you give them, you offer them a job and then they don't get back to you. Mm. So it's like there's this whole attitude, I guess, of people knowing that we need them more than they need us. And so it's creating other problems. I think Auckland Hospital has grown since COVID as well because there were all these projects planned for last year that still went ahead. So many new restaurants opened and a pool of workers actually got lower and lower. And now this is not a New Zealand-only problem if you Mm. think about it. Um, Just this week we're going to lose a senior waiter from Cassia to Australia. We've lost a head chef two weeks back to Australia. So Kiwis are not going to stay put as well, mm. because hospital is something that you can take your skills and go somewhere else mm. and you will learn. And why not? Why not go work for another great chef in Australia or in Melbourne? Because it's only going to grow your CV, your skills. So you can't hold people back. Mm. But it's a problem that needs to be seriously looked at. The part that I liked about your letter was, um, you know, how they're basically calling hospitality unskilled. Mm. And so it therefore doesn't qualify for um, immigration to approve these visas. And I actually do think that's offensive. Like, Mm. these are the people that we're relying on making your coffee but also making your day in the morning. And hospitality is a business like any other business, and the industry is hospitality, which I think involves a whole lot more EQ than a lot of skills-based industries. Mm. And so I think to say that it's a bunch of low-skilled people on one hand um, is is incorrect because we're also having to train novice workers. And then because we have so many novice workers, um, we're now paying them more than $20 an hour, which means that they're not necessarily showing up bringing that much value to our businesses. So we're spending a whole bunch of time to train them to basically be as valuable as we need them to be to make the numbers work to, to try and turn a profit. Like, it's, it's a juggling act. Yeah, the whole Constant thing. juggling act. I think that was one of the most interesting points you raised in the letter, Chand, from the Restaurant Association survey of um, the industry, is that 92% of the hospitality business has uh, huge difficulty in recruiting senior staff. Yeah. This isn't the people that I assumed um, were migrant labour. And I think it's almost racist, my assumption, mm. uh, my initial assumption that I talked about. But these are the, these are the sommeliers, the, the sous chefs, chefs, the, sous chefs. The, the people that define your restaurant's ability mm. to be able to produce something amazing. And I mean, for me, what was really insulting was in Stuart Nash's speech was that, oh, you know, you need to start not relying on migrant workers but and start automating. How do I automate a head chef, a sommelier in a fine dining restaurant. I can't create an app for you to order your wine. Mm. Uh, I saw a robot cocktail uh, waiter on a cruise ship. Mm. Well, there was quite a lot of um, noise. Stuart Nash is pretty offensive anyway, like period. (laughs) There was quite a lot of noise last week about um, Elon Musk filing a bunch of patents for takeaway restaurants. So he's doing like, I I think the presumption is that there's going to be like, 
a petrol station that's self-serve that you roll up to in your Tesla and they also spits out food for you. I'm sorry, just it for me, hosp- <laughs> the de- definition of hospitality is it's hosting people. It's hosting people. Yeah. You, you, why do you rate service in a TripAdvisor? Re- you know, review. Yeah. I know. I think. I think it's taking the hospitality out of hospitality, yeah. but it's interesting because more and more people want that kind of thing, don't they? And I think the other thing that you know annoys me is this expectation that we can just jump out on find someone on the road, pick them up, and teach them. Yeah. And they will be able to create Anyone magic in the kitchen. Anyone can do it. Anyone yeah. can do it. You just, <laughs> this is not skilled because you know why don't you just go hire someone off, get someone off the dole? Yes, there are certain jobs that are not super skilled, like dishwashing, maybe running some food, maybe the bear, but the definition of a higher-end restaurant or anywhere like Cassia or anything smart dining, you can't just grab someone off the road. Hey, I can't, after so many years in hospo, go and ma- confidently match anyone's wine. I go, sommelier, mm. please. Well, I mean, I was rolling Peter's at Fatima's today at lunchtime and I'm definitely not the best we've got. I think I could. I think I could be a lot better, but you know. Do you hand make your Peter pockets? No, no, no. The the breads get folded and then rolled before they get toasted, and I didn't get the tuck at the end quite right today. So one of them opened up and the fillings fell out the bottom. But I think it's such an important point to make, because you know Sophie's been working in hospitality since she was like thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a skill set that you 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 start off uh, as a, as a food runner or, or washing the dishes, but the mm-hmm. skills you pick up on that path, um, you know, are so important to your ability to be a really great um, server or um, manager or what about just listener or, or individual or friend or like there are so many mm. things that hospitality teaches you that you will not learn in another industry. And that's what I, I try and say to our young staff. It's particularly the young Kiwi staff. Mm. You know, when people says, say, can't you just hire New Zealanders? You're like, well, I would if they would do the job. But a lot of them just do not value what they're doing. Like they are, they think they're so focused on it being transient that they miss yeah. the opportunity that's right in front of them, which is to learn how to work under pressure, learn how to work in a team, learn how to talk to people that you don't know. Mm. Like it's a bunch of things that are going to be really helpful for whatever you do next. But... I think they put it in like an industry category and think that's not going to be helpful because I'm going to be in marketing one day or something. Yeah, I mean, I think there needs to be a culture shift for the whole country from everyone involved. And that's what I'd like the government to actually consider is sit down with us and get every stakeholder involved because it's not just about the owner operators. I think it's a wider conversation. Totally. You need to talk about customers. Customers need, if you want your free range, you want us to pay someone $29 an hour, guess what? That means that you things are going to cost more. Yeah. Are you okay paying $12 for your coffee in the morning? Yeah. Are you okay to pay $55 for a main? Um, because, yeah, hell yeah, I'm happy to pay everybody heaps of money if I can charge yeah. people heaps of money. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, we're in it for a business, right? The, I and the margins that. are really low. We've got high rents. We yeah. need, something's got to give, whether the government looks at taking GSD off fruit and veg, because that will bring down some of the costs on us. Mm-hmm. And it would also help the low socioeconomic. I'm in favor of that. Yeah. I mean, I think there are lots of ways to creatively solve this problem as a country. But it's another thing that what's happening right now is that we feel totally scapegoated. 
and so do the migrants. We've got chefs in our restaurant. We've got a manager in our restaurant who worked with us for six or seven years. We can't be terrible employers if they're still there and they're working towards getting their residence. But right now they can't even apply for that residence because the EOI category is closed. I've got someone who's had their application for residency in New Zealand before immigration for two years. Wow. So they were able to apply two years ago, yeah. and he's got a young baby and a wife, and he's just waiting to find out whether it's approved or not. It's, it's interesting, eh? The, 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 the hospitality sector is this really fascinating microcosm of some of the broader problems of the country, like the cost of food and veg, the value that we place on staff. Mm. Um, the, the immigration issue, it's, mm. it's really fascinating the way, well, not also really hard because the industry was also at the very pointy end of um, the effects of COVID-19. COVID. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, anyone who thought people were getting rich from running a cafe or a restaurant <laughs> before COVID-19 <laughs> were wrong. Uh, it's, you know, and it's so much harder. Now, how, are we seeing, are we starting to see closures? We've had a lot of closures. Yeah. I mean... Some big names have gone, like O'Connell Street Bistro has mm. gone. And I, I think if we don't do something, people are actually going to lose out. And this is what scares me, right? It's fine for someone like Sid and me to on sell our restaurant to our head chef and give him an opportunity to take over Sadat. We'll come back to that. Great. But what happens if a restaurant actually closes? Who loses out? Suppliers. They lose a yeah, customer. Yeah, it's a whole supply Farmers. chain. Farmers. Producers, they lose. Government loses GST. All these people who are employed by us lose jobs. So the what landlord is landlord? Well. well, that's what I was saying to one of our young employees the other day. She was kind of latching on to the idea of minimum wage, and she's mm-hmm. like, well, "I'm I'm on minimum wage because she hadn't completed her training. She was on like fifty cents above minimum wage, but was ready to step up. But I said, you have to do your training. You have to be signed off in order to get your pay rise, and." I think that we're now at a point where $20 an hour is not a terrible wage. You Mm. know, we should be proud of that and New Zealand should be proud of that and I'm in favour of that across the board. But it's really um, affects industries like ours that employ completely novice workers because when we hire someone that's never worked before, we have to pay one of our other staff to go off Mm. the floor to train that person. So they effectively cost us twice the money until we train them up and get them right. I'm sure every industry has their training challenges, but I think that hospitality is n- n- no one's at $20 an hour being paid badly. If you work hard and you work 40 hours a week, which I thought was mm. full-time, but now people are applying for jobs saying that 30 hours is full-time, mm. um, then I think that, you know, that we are moving in the right direction, but it's just yeah. a, it's a really tight spot at the moment. Plus right? tips. I always say, hey, I never got tips as a teacher for doing your good job with Johnny. Yeah. But we, I, I guess it's different at every level, but at our restaurants, they clear really good tips. Do they? Yeah, yeah. no tips at Fetterman's. Yeah, I mean, I it's different a, for a fast food. At Chibo, food we or, used to get envelopes with just as much as our wage as and tips. Mm. I think that was more uh, representative of where our wages were at, at that time <laughs> in, the, in the early 2000s. Yeah, but I think it still continues in a lot of restaurants. A lot of people do tip. I know the mentality is not to <clears> tip in general, but I think a lot of customers, I had one customer ask me after the spin-off article is, you know, what, what about tips if we tip more and you guys have to pay lesser? I said it doesn't quite work like that. 
because it has to be across the board. We're not American. We don't want to go into becoming America. No, I no. don't agree with American. And they're reversing that anyway. Yeah, but do, so. do tip more. If you had a really good time, listeners, if you felt like you were, you know, bonded with your waiter, uh, that they changed your experience, like endorse that uh, yeah. service. I worked at a restaurant in Melbourne mm. where half of our tips were um, confiscated and distributed to the other stuff until we passed the test on the food, wine, uh, architecture of the restaurant. We had to know who made the curtains. Oh, so when you, once you pass <laughs> once you pass test, that, you're, you're eligible to... You your full tips. Hard out. We just go... Every we have a split between the kitchen and the front because I both sit and I feel like one cannot do without the other. Yeah, but then it's equitable. Best service in the world. If you have shit food, you're not getting it. Exactly. Right. You don't want this chef to spit in your food. <laughs> you carry it out with a smile. <laughs> I actually, I actually, um, yeah, I tip. Even it's interesting. I tip. I think because of. Be, feeling yeah, the way about the industry that I do, but I tip regardless. So what I do now is I t- I always tip, um, and it's about. Five percent, as long as it wasn't a disaster, mm. uh, an acknowledgement of these people working hard, like trying to learn. And if it's really good, I um, give cash directly to my. Oh my god, that's such <laughs> boomer behavior! No, 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 she's because it's to it make sure that person gets it. Like, yeah, I but, want that dude or um, dudette to put that money straight in their pocket. Yeah, but they can't. They like, can. if you did that. To me, I would just go and put it you in the You do another stuff. boomer thing and Pull. you wink at them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, like you're right. Simon, Slide you it can into the ask, You can ask as oh, a consumer, okay. where do your tips, how do they get split? Yeah. I'm happy to answer that question if I'm on the floor and a customer says, hey, totally. I want a tip. How do you divide your tips? And I will tell you honestly how it is. Yeah, and sometimes I remember people would say, I want this to go to this waitress, and people are like, fine, it's an exception, whatever. Like, that person's just really obsessed with giving that person person a tip. tip. (laughs) You're like, go, great. But apparently, yeah, there are are good tips in um, some restaurants in Auckland, and I've noticed more and more people are adding a credit card fee to their Mm. bill, and more and more people are... Adding the option to tip on the FPOS machine. Yeah, we have an option to tip. Maybe that's why we get a few more tips, but we don't do the credit card surcharge yet because yeah. I'm, I just don't want – I didn't want to piss anyone off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like banks in general, so I say to banks, hey, you got to yeah. reduce those fees for us because that would be – I think there's something coming up, right, that they're going to standardize the fees across the board. But it's that's getting a, ridiculous because now every time you tap your card, uh, yeah. if you use PayWave, it gets treated as though it's a credit card with the bank and then we get charged a fee mm, as I though know. it's a credit card. For me, it's just a cost of business. So yeah, just, but it's like it a lot of money every month. Yeah. And it doesn't cost the banks any money. I know. It's not fair. <laughs> it's just, it's wild out there, isn't it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But let's talk about you selling your new restaurant, your old restaurant, Oldest to restaurant. a new owner, which is your head chef. Mm. That's so exciting. Was it hard? Was it emotional? It's mixed feelings, but it does feel right at the core of it. We were, like I said, Botsit and I were exhausted. We were running 
ragged. We can't do this to ourselves. And we wanted to sh- actually inspire the rest of our staff that this is possible. Leslie's worked with us for so long um, and he's proven himself and he, it is the next step for him. He's never been an owner, but he can. There's an X factor about certain people. You can be a great chef, but can you be a great leader? Because you've got to keep everyone motivated and engaged and still push that food out to a high level and a high standard. And we just felt that about that he was right. And he wanted to always do something on his own. We could lose him to another country um, or another another, pr- another restaurant or motivate him to stay and be part of the family yeah. and do something for his future. So I think it's great that um, him and Lucia will become business owners in September and he's having to learn everything. It's kind oh of, my goodness. It's kind of in, funny for me because I put him through the motions. I'm like, oh, yeah, now you've got to pay this and you've got to pay that license and you've got to get this. Yeah. And this is how you do a contract. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. I'm excited for his like, first HR dispute. Well, I used to um, reject that my legal background did anything helpful for me in hospitality. But honestly, yeah, I've, I've spent half my time filling out immigration applications or fighting immigration on applications mm. and also um, negotiating leases. And I think hospital teachers use so many skills as well. Yeah. And, I mean, I came as a, a stu- as a teacher, but also I've got a degree in psychology and I use it with all the staff. Every time there's a staffing issue, it's like, come here, sit down, let's resolve this. I'm yeah. <laughs> the psychiatrist is in, the psychologist is in the building for another hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. So you can use so many skills in hospital and hospital teachers use so many skills yeah. as well. So it's great for um, a career. Yeah. So what does the transition plan look like? So Sid and I will own um, Siddharth until the 4th of September, which will be our last service. And then Leslie will, on Monday, everything changes hands and it's his restaurant. I mean, we're going to remain silent partners because we are funding him through the process. So he's got a few years to pay us back at his own time. But every decision from then on is his. Cool. We're, We're there to be sounding boards and mentors. So if you have an issue, you can pick up the phone and ask me a question but I'm looking forward to not doing immigration applications for Zidat. Oh, yeah. It's so making ha- me feel quite emotional, like the investment in your people and your willingness to both like set them free on this amazing space but help them on that path. Mm. Um, it's really, really cool. You must be really proud. Yeah, and it was in, for us it was a way of paying it forward as well because someone took a chance on us. We had an angel investor when we were, I would say, young, 14 years ago when we um, got Siddharth. I mean, I was supposed to stay as a teacher and keep my job plus support Sid. And we took second, someone took a second mortgage on our house and bound us by all these clauses but gave us the money to go follow our dream so Sid yeah. could go and do his dream. So I think it's important to pay it forward. We'll feel a lot easier once we've paid the debt to the universe. In a yeah. Way. yeah. And I know you can't speak for Leslie, but do you know anything about the way the food might change or mm. the vibe? or? Um, I think Leslie's, from what I know him, he's very cool and chilled out and he's got this Fijian vibe always around him. He's got this calm persona. So he's going to bring a bit of Fiji and Indian flavors in. I don't, I've never come across a Fijian Indian restaurant. Cool. So Siddharth being progressive Indian, 
He's very cool with that style. He's actually been a R&D chef for us. We um, at Siddharth, he's designed the menus and he's used to it. He's already there at the moment because yeah. we lost um, our Siddharth chef to Australia, the yeah. head chef. So Leslie, no, the bubble has had really unexpected consequences. Yeah. Right? So Leslie, just we said, Leslie, why don't you just take the reins and get used to it? So he's already um, working on the menu. Where was he before that? He was the head chef at the French Cafe. Ah, okay. Yeah. So um, it means wow. Sid at the French Cafe doesn't have a head chef at the moment and Sid's plugging the hole there, but that's yeah. fine. Leslie's already um, getting onto the ropes and learning, but I think it'll be a little bit of a Fijian Indian twist to Siddharth's cuisine, and I think that'll be really interesting. I can't wait to go back and try yeah. it. Yeah, It's awesome. really, really exciting. Well, Jacinda Ardern, if you're listening, you need to uh, <laughs> sit down with the hospitality sector and you know listen to the things that are affecting them because it is a big deal affecting a lot of people's lives. You need to pay the teachers, pay the nurses. While <laughs> uh, we're on that note. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, I've got you. Um, and you also need to give us five stars uh, and subscribe. Um, I wonder if, like, the Prime Minister's five stars come with extra bonus points. Rate, review, <laughs> sign it, Jacinda Ardern. Yeah. That'd be great. And you also need to, Jacinda Ardern, go to Wellington on a plate during yeah. the entire month mm-hmm. of August. Uh, it's an incredible food festival. The program is out now. The events are delicious. They're progressive and they're really fun and exciting. So uh, support the hospitality sector in all the ways that you can. And thank you for joining us, Chan. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. So nice, nice. to have you here. Kakite. Bye. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, Kiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.